Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. That there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? This is the Exit the Matrix podcast. I am uh, your co-host, Amindra Law, alongside with me, my squad, my gang. Mo Man, what's up? Gang, gang. I want to uh, just thank y'all for allowing us to go off last week on Game of Thrones. It was I had to get it off my chest, man. It was a cathartic moment, and I <laughs> we we you know we wept and cried afterwards, and uh, you know we we sort of missed two weeks worth of news. And let me tell you, there is a lot of news. So uh, if you don't mind, uh, let's jump right into the Matrix. Let's do it. Now, tanks. Now. So Robert Mueller, this is breaking news, by the way. Both Brits are here. You know how they be. Live from. Yeah, right. Down the motherfucking street, nigga. Right from the motherfucking street. Literally down the motherfucking. A bus ride away, bruh. Robert Mueller is out. He's out. Out uh, of the alphabet, The yo. entire special counsel has been dissolved. Um, all, lo- all you could really call it, bro, is, is another victory lap for fucking Air Cheeto. Bro. Oh, yeah. Donnie J, he's racking up the wins right now. And and all these, uh, all the Democrats are just shaking their fists. Look at this guy, you know. You know what's wild to me, though, is like he really kind of threw the gauntlet. He threw the gauntlet at these cats because he's like, hey, look, I said what I said. Y'all are Congress. He's my boss. I don't have the power to do nothing. But if y'all feel like you want to do something. This is a, also a win for the status quo. But basically what he's doing is he's pulling a Tyrion. He's saying, I can't really do anything. But, you know, Congress, Jon Snow, you can go do this thing. You, you can do it. Yeah. But they're, they're, I mean, every establishment Democrat that, you know, has some sen- seniority within you know, Congress, they're not trying to touch this thing with a 10-foot pole. The only people that are trying to get at it are the, the clout-chasing younger Democrats who are trying to make Here's some happen. Here's the thing, bro. When you are a statesman and your shit is based upon being quote-unquote rational, you can never understand passion anymore, right? And impeachment is a passionate process. The Democrats at this point are afraid of passion. So when they see people are being passionate, it freaks them out because they expect mm-hmm. the passion is going to be on the Republican side. And so they don't want to appeal to that. They always feel like they're going to lose the passion war because they're un, they're not in touch with who gives them power. Like every Democrat, it's not about winning or losing. Every single Democrat should be all about impeachment because that starts the election campaign then and there. That you mean, I've never heard it uh, articulated like that, but I, I totally agree. They are. They're anti-passion. You know, they, they, they think that they're going to have this logical argument and that's how they win voters. They go... Every time I feel, especially this last election was, whoa, look how crazy the Republicans are. We're not crazy. We're regular. We're Them cool. motherfuckers were passionately against Hillary Clinton. They weren't even necessarily for Trump, though a lot of them motherfuckers was for Trump. Bro. Yeah. No, facts, man. But this is this is how you, you can't win elections this way. And you, and if no one's ready, ready to step up and do anything, that's fine. Because they're they establishment. They fucking lose. Nah, yeah. facts. A win for the status quo again. But uh, one thing that's happening, man, all around the fucking world, man, these fascists keep winning fucking elections, bro. Yeah, in India, I guess he was uh, 
I don't know how long, Modi, how long has he been president? I feel like it's been a while. Yeah, no, he's been there for a while. I mean, he's not a, he's definitely an incumbent, right? Yeah. So he's like not a new guy. And what's interesting is a couple of weeks ago, if y'all remember on a podcast, we talked about there was armed tension between Pakistan, which is a nuclear power, and fucking India, which is a nuclear power. India flew military jets over Pakistani airspace, which were shot down. Captured the pilot, put his ass on TV and was like, hey, nigga, tell him where you from. The history of Pakistan and India, I don't not incredibly uh, well versed in but you know when you look at what modi is doing he's playing to that hindu base you know he's and that was a part of their conflict with pakistan you know it's that they're constantly pushing that agenda to create that 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 sectarian you know a dispute or whatever like you were saying this is something that's existing all over the, all the planet over, and we have to planet. to recognize because it because it goes back to that passion right mm-hmm. what is modi tapping into he isn't he's a hindu nationalist right he's like india is for the hindus does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. Yes, it because does. The American right is like America is for white Christians, like all around. Even with fucking Brexit, England is for the fucking Anglican English. All around the world, that shit is popping off because it's passion. Yeah, and it's a playbook that they're going to, and it's you know it's a conversation that we we should talk about. Well, you know, we I know we throw around the word fascism a lot, but do you want to? I you, will. Can I you will break down fascism so, just a little bit. It, right? So. In 2003, the political scientist Dr. Lawrence Britt wrote an article and he broke down what the 14 characteristics of fascism are. People use it as an insult, but fascism is a real school of political thought, just like republicanism, just like conservatism, you know what I'm saying? Liberalism, conservatism. These are fucking political schools of fucking thought. Okay, so here's one. First step is powerful and continuing nationalism. That's a characteristic of fascist states. By itself, not that much. Disdain for the recognition of human rights. Number two, identification of enemies, scapegoats as a unifying cause. Number three. Number four, supremacy of the military. Like even when there are widespread domestic problems, the military is given a disproportionate amount of funding. Five, rampant sexism the government of fascist nations tend to be almost exclusively male dominated under fascist regimes traditionalist gender roles are rigid as fuck opposition to abortion is high as is homophobia and anti-gay legislation and they make it into national policies does any of this sound familiar to y'all familiar number six controlled mass media six companies control all the media one of which is the fucking disney ears seven obsession with national security fear is used as a motivational tool by the government over the masses eight religion and government are intertwined governments in fascist nations tend to use the most common religion in the nation as a tool to manipulate public opinion nine Corporate power is protected. The industrial and business aristocracy of a fascist nation are the ones that put the government leaders into power. 10. Labor power is suppressed. Because the organizing power of labor is the only real threat to a fascist government, labor unions are either eliminated entirely or severely suppressed. 11. Disdain for intellectuals and the arts. Fascist nations tend to promote and tolerate open hostility to higher education and academia. 12. 
obsession with crime and punishment. Under fascist regimes, police are given almost limitless power to enforce laws. The people are willing to overlook the abuses and even forego civil liberties in the name of patriotism. 13. Rampant corruption and cronyism. Fascist regimes are almost always governed by groups of friends and associates who appoint each other to government positions and use governmental power and authority to protect their friends from accountability. 14. Fraudulent elections. Uh, we're batting a thousand here. It make Barry Bonds look like a rank amateur, bro. How you step up and never miss? They're straight up running the playbook. So that's what we're saying. So when we talk it's about It's more Modi, than an insult. When we talk about people as fascists, it's more than an insult. This is a political ideology, and these are the people that are winning elections because they're better at manipulating their people into getting super fiery. When you see these crowds from Modi, bro, they be out there wilding. They got the masks and shit. And you may not think India is important, but it's important to remember it. This is a country... It has $1.2 billion. It is a developed nation. People. I'm, I'm sorry. 1.2 billion people. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good, you, you fascists. Say, I know, right? You say billion. <laughs> you just money. think money. Yeah, you know what so I'm saying? many people. Yes, so much a big number. To put that into perspective, that's, there are three Indians for every one American. Yeah, how many people live in America? 350 million? 350 million. You know what I'm saying? It's a little bit under that, right? What else? Oh, and it's a nuclear-armed nation. And it's on a border with its basically number one rival. Which yeah, is Pakistan. Pakistan. Well, technically Pakistan, but its real number one rival is China. China. And Belt and Road Initiative is kicking their ass right now. Which intertwines with a lot of this stuff, too, because when you talk about Afghanistan and Iran and all these other places, like China is invested in those places because <laughs> yeah. that's building where that road, road is going. Building a road from China to fucking Europe to the bottom of motherfucking South Africa. Even the Romans never accomplished something so fucking bold. Their mega projects are off the chart. We talked about the bullet trains. We talked about so. I mean, and this is another thing that you you we could say about the United States and what fascism does to you with the capitalism and all those things that are involved. It doesn't allow you to create mega projects. It doesn't allow you to exist in a world where you are working towards the people because you have to spend so much time and money to protect the ruling class. That you just don't have. left for innovation. Look, the thing about change is you don't know where change ends. And that's the most dangerous thing in the world for the status quo. You can't predict what happens with change. We mentioned it on in other places. So quickly wrap it up to like, so when we talk about fascism, that has to go at this point, I think, hand in hand with populism, which is, so that is how they switch the playbook. They go, all these people in the status quo, we've come to destroy them. We've come to get rid of them. We believe that you, the people, have been wronged. And all this political rhetoric that's being said is the reasons why you're being wronged. What they do is, like a Donald Trump, that's a Donald Trump playbook. He go, he stops talking with big words and he stops being eloquent and he stops existing in a political correct world. George Bush, I feel like, was one of the great pioneers of this technique. This is a third generation billionaire that people in the South will be talking about. I feel like I could go and have a beer with this man. But yeah, so uh, since we were talking about that and you brought this, uh, you put this on here too, but you look at you know a place like Saudi Arabia that is incredibly wealthy because of oil. And we talk, you know, Memorial Day just passed, or more Oil Day just passed. Do you like what uh, I did there? That was very good. I'll be here all week, very good. human people. What's interesting to me is the United States spends a significant amount of 
their own wealth, their own political influence to help Saudi Arabia because they need them as a uh, strategic point. If we're talking about the ambition of China with the Belt and Road Initiative, what's fascinating about that is they're doing by land what the United States is doing, at which Britain started by sea. The way that China's trying to connect the world by land, the United States and the British Empire before them did by sea. All of the transport in the world is moved through these fucking shipping lanes. And certain shipping lanes are fucking sacrosanct. They cannot be fucking... So think about it like super highways on the fucking sea. And the United States guarantees security of those products. Now, what's interesting to me, though, is very powerful, very rich nations have the money to defend their own shit. You know what I'm saying? So my question is, they're saying... All right, let's assume the worst case scenario is true. And Iran actually hit those freighters, right? Which we don't know because no evidence has been shown at all. And it's important to be skeptical about all this shit. It's literally how Vietnam popped off with the fucking Gulf of Tonkin incident. Which years later, they're like, well, you know, shit might have not have went down the way that we said it went down. Yeah, well, that was the whole the thing with Iraq. You know, right. oh, there's, right. there's weapons of mass destruction. They right. knew, they, and they had no information to go off of it. And then if, a few years later, there it's the same thing. So, so let's say it's the worst case scenario, and Iran did do those things. They didn't hit an American ship at all. Should the United States be obligated to come to the defense of a theocratic nation? These people can't even fucking come to America because they have goddamn travel bans. But like, we're like contractually obligated to go to war for them. And, like, no American ship has even been hit. Not a, That's the thing everybody concedes. No American, they haven't hit no American military. They haven't hit no American fucking commercial fucking things. These are Saudi Arabian tankers that have been hit. Should America have to be contractually obligated to go to war for a rich nation? What a great, powerful army. No, of course not. And I think just to add on to that is we understand that Saudi Arabia, UAE, and Israel— sort of have now this like Middle Eastern pact with Triumvirate. the United States. And that is where a lot of their influence and a lot of their money and a lot of their military is going towards. And not only are we losing human lives and you know money that could be better spent here, we're losing sort of the social aspect of being from the United States, right. you know? So all these other countries, you know, when you exist outside of the American bubble, look at what's going on and they can pick it out easily. And they're looking at these three countries and they're going, how hypocritical does it sound like when in a place like Saudi Arabia, who Where has they're one of literally those... still beheading gay people. Yeah, it's incredibly homophobic. It's incredibly patriarchal in a way that it's systematically implemented. So how can you have a, you know an issue with someone coming from Iraq or Jordan or any of these other places when the the most oppressive sort of uh, regime that exists in that Middle Eastern Gulf type area is Saudi Arabia. Is absolutely Saudi Who's Arabia. your best buddies? Right. Now, meanwhile, <laughs> John Guaido left out in the fucking forest with his dick in his hands, right? <laughs> in fucking Venezuela, bro, with his fucking the, the final stages of the coup. We're talking about Venezuela, bro. The United Nations just came out and said... That since 2011, the government of Venezuela has granted more than 2,640,000 what they call dignified homes to Venezuelan families. They call it the right to housing. 
And this is what socialism really looks like. So a nation that literally just got fucking complimented by the United Nations for the way that they deal with homeless populations in their... This is the same country we're talking about maybe invading. So this is what's super interesting because you were just talking about what socialism does. What socialism also does is brings the ire of the United States and sanctions. And when they talk about these countries sort of going through, you know, that they're impoverished and they don't have certain things, it's because of these sanctions. If socialism is allowed to The billionaires can never allow a socialist nation to win. It's Haiti all over again with Toussaint Louverture. Like, because that's the peasants taking back their freedom. If you behead your your masters in a you know a country ten thousand miles away, it doesn't matter because it if that news gets out and it's shown that it can work and it's possible, then you have a global revolution on your hands, which could lead to a utopia. And you can't have that if you're you a billionaire. That would not have that. That's that, your that worst change, nightmare. Who knows what could happen? I might not end up a billionaire. And if we talk about, you know, shit, man, gentrification is in D.C. Like, I think it was, we were saying it has the most rampant gentrification, right. period. And housing is such a huge human right. I think the number one thing. The right to housing just blew my mind. Out. How many fucking homeless people do we see at any night at 1030 at fucking Union man, Station? I, I mean, and I go to Union Station out basically if you four to five DC, times a week. You fucking have to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And right to housing is on the lips of every citizen I talk to. It doesn't matter really what, you know, socioeconomic situation that you exist in. Gentrification and right to housing is always on the mind and the lips of everyone in this city and probably in the country or any major city in the United States. And Venezuela, a country that we're saying that we want to invade because they treat their citizens unfairly is number one when it comes to rights to housing. You see, this is the matrix. This is a world that we live in. So you might turn on the news and you might hear something about Venezuela, but this is where the real news is. This is what we mean when we say people like Bernie Sanders are not real leftists, right? This person is fighting for barely just $15 an hour. The little bitty nation of Venezuela is fighting for the human right for people who have house. What's the point of making $15 an hour if you got to pay $1,800 in rent? Your shit is still just swooped the fuck up. It just went yeah. straight to the fucking landlord. Yeah. Right? We need bolder ideas. And the thing is, the world are giving us these ideas. We just have to be like humble enough to see around the world what works and what does not work. And how can we incorporate that into what we want to do here and to be unafraid to make a better world all right we got some things that we want to talk about uh, talk, talk about him. so let's talk to him bow roman boss is something you got to deal with so all of that collaborated fabricated it ain't gonna equal up to this real shit so we talk about boycotts a lot and i feel like boycotts are something that we have to utilize look there is in late stage capitalism no ethical consumption but we can always strive to make the best decisions we can in almost any place you could go there's some place where you could go and ch- get a chicken sandwich. It may be marginally better. It may be marginally worse. But really, there's no place where, like, the only fucking place where you can get fast food in the city is Chick-fil-A. So, like, making that choice is a bad choice because they purposely use their money to hurt people that believe differently than them. In this case, black people, 
right, by giving money to Back to Blue and uh, LGBTQ, their anti-gay and conversion therapy money that they're always giving to those organizations. It's always some other place you could be eating. I don't have to be a gay person to understand why I wouldn't want to fucking fund an organization that's hurting gay people. You don't have to be a black person to understand why a black person giving money to an organization is helping black people get shot, you know, without convictions or anything. Why that's not a great thing. Now, if we can understand the importance of a boycott for something like Chick-fil-A, we have to be able to roll that on an intersectional level. Like one of the major arguments I see against my vegan friends, right? They'll come to me, oh my God, how can you eat this cheeseburger? This is cruelty free. Yeah, bro, but you just had fucking French toast with fucking Driscoll's berries, which were picked by probably some kick-ass Norteño in North Cali, you know, for $2 a fucking bushel. You know what I'm saying? That's not cruelty-free. That's ignoring the cruelty that you don't have to see because it's happening to brown bodies. Now, when you flip that and ask yourself, why do war start? It's almost always over some economic byline. It's some economic reason. So ask yourself... Why can a company, a country like Venezuela, which is not starting wars, which is definitely not threatening the United States in any kind of a physical way. Or threatening way, their people. Right. Why would we even begin to conceptualize something like war against a country like that? Well, the answer is they nationalized their petroleum. And so there are very powerful petroleum companies in the United States of America that need to see that government go away. Companies like Chevron, companies like Halliburton that get paid to go in and build nations from scratch. I mean, you can see all of the great work that Halliburton did in Iraq. And it's hard to boycott something like Halliburton. Halliburton, because, yeah. They're getting their bread regardless. But you can choose to not shop at Chevron. Facts. Where literally the oil that they're deriving is coming at the expense of blood. What is it really costing you to, one, try to limit your petroleum intake? Two, get that oil from some other company that is not doing those means. Again, I'm not here to vouch for any, especially petroleum company. But we have choices, and, and sometimes right. it's, it is a lesser of two evils kind right. of situation. And it is proven to work time and time again, especially you can look at the BDS movement. Can you explain BDS for those that may not be aware? Sure. BDS is the boycott, divestment, and uh, sanction movement that is happening in the consumption of products that go to the apartheid government in Israel to oppress Palestinian people. So you have a bunch of different organizations, but... I definitely will call out like HP, you know, like things like Sabra Hummus, Soda Stream, uh, and there's a lot of other things. But those are things that we have here in the United States that you probably see every day at the Best Buy or your giant. And what happens is when you divest and you boycott and you sanction those things, those companies have they suffer. It hurts their bottom line. And, and again, it's not even so much. I say as a Jew, not even so much about boycotting companies that are in Israel is boycotting companies that are in in Israel that are actively exploiting the West Bank actively exploiting Palestinian lands that's that's honored by the United Nations shit where the United Nations says this technically is Palestine these are war crimes so these companies are participating in war it's crimes a very specific international kind of law yeah look i mean people need there there should be 
places where you can go get food anywhere in the world. You know, right. I mean, that's important. But like you were saying, it's not just companies that exist in those spaces. It's companies that are invested in encroaching upon that Palestinian territory that's against international law. And that's what we, I think you're talking about with a company like Chevron or Chick-fil-A or any right. of these things. There's no ethical consumption in this matrix. However, we can make decisions. We can make smarter decisions. We were just talking about going to the, the Trinidadian spot that we were just at yesterday. We still, yeah, that shit was bomb. So it's still at the top of H Street, you know, gentrification central, I think, in Washington, D.C. right now. But it's black owned. It's All black the employees owned, owned are. Owned by Michelin star, Trinidadian chef, who is the shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it gentrification? Yes. But. This is gentrification where at least people of color own this, and it's in a community of color that provides a respite against the 80th fucking Starbucks. Right, and you could take that money up to a place like Kava, where not only would you be treated to a horrible meal, but you're also feeding into a corporation. Right. So these are just small ways for us to, let's say, agitate and annoy the status quo. Things, yo, bruh. So you know, man, they've been saying it for years, Mo against the nation, yes. Mo against the nation. <laughs> now it's a real motherfucking thing. I want to applaud you real quick just for not, because when I know I was transgressed upon, it was like, all right, first segment, first thing. You you let it rock. So you're you're a good man for that. Yeah. I appreciate you. But but please dive in, tell the people what's going on. Yo, yo, yo. So all of y'all that are already, you know, reading my shit, you know, not just, you know, what we're doing with the podcast, but knowing the social justice we be trying to do out there, you know, bringing awareness to causes is a very important thing. Look. Nobody owns a cause, but we do sometimes have to acknowledge, okay, that we're standing on the shoulders of the people that came before, people that laid that fucking work. Recently, on The Nation, one of their number one trending articles is, and I bullshit you not, black capitalism will not save us. If I am uh, not incorrect, you had an article by basically the same name. No, black capitalism will not save you. Mm. They took my article, right, which was written in 2017 and published, right? And this black author, who I'm trying my best not to shade, at this point I'm not going to name him yet, but I reserved the fucking right, came across my shit, reworded my shit, changed the fucking tone of my shit, took all of my examples in my shit, and then added Killer Mike and added Nipsey Hussle because they didn't die within the last two years. But again, if you listen to the podcast, you done caught that too, right? Mm, Assembled my shit. And got it fucking published for the nation. Yeah, well, I think this is the thing. It's the commodification of of information. Right. Because what you could have done is use a platform to support uh, writers that don't exist in right. a larger um, entity. You know what I'm saying? You can big up those people by using your platform. But you don't get platform that way. You get platform by clout chasing. And you get platforms by taking the work of other artists Hell and yeah. giving it to yourself. So that's this would be like some motherfucker climbing the Capitol right now and bringing down a flag and being like, oh, look at this thing that I did. Like, oh, we ain't going to talk about Brie? We ain't going to talk about Brie Newsom at all? Yeah. This just some shit you did. That's fucking fascinating. It's it's like a copycat league. It's like this thing worked, so now I'm going to do it so it's going to work. And you get to push that. And you get to take the – because there's nothing – 
more wealthy for social currency than that envelope push where you say something that people have been thinking but haven't said it yet and you get to be on that forefront and right. that's and rarely what do that you... nigga future say man motherfuckers try to ride my wave and get nauseous bitch <laughs> I don't think you ever thought you'd hear me quote Future. Uh, you know. It's a brave I, new world. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. New Atlanta, nah, but, baby. You know, that shit was super fucking whack, though, man. Super fucking whack. Because, again, right, I don't expect for my brand of leftism to ever make it to, like, the mainstream. But at the same time, I stand behind my intellectual property. And I, I, I'll i debate any of these motherfuckers. Line them up. Yeah, bring them to, they can, yeah we'll, we'll debate them right here. Chew their ass up whenever the fuck, man. Bring whoever. Bring me Ben Shapiro. Bring me all them little bitch-ass dudes. I'll eat their ass. You know what I'm saying? On some cannabis shit. <laughs> I'll eat, eat, eat. You know what I'm saying? That motherfucker got Mike Tyson, bro. <laughs> what the fuck we doing, man? We gonna fuck that nigga Uncle L up or what? You brought up Future. You did a good thing. Then you <laughs> fucked it up by bringing up cannabis. Oh, man. Look, man. Hey, you might not like Benzino, but I feel like Benzino had one of the best diss lines of all time to Eminem when that motherfucker said, Five shades darker, motherfucker, you be cannabis. And no one give a fuck about your complicated rhyme style. No, I mean, that's total facts. And also, he, like, uh, he. He outed Eminem. Remember that song that he had about dating a black woman, and he oh. was like using the n word and shit. People don't even yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, that yeah, anymore. You're so right. Yeah, now nah, he he's the, the one who broke that itch. Yeah, he broke that shit on yeah. um, the source man back in the day, man. The, the source is dead. Do they right? even exist? I don't know. I don't know. Media's tough, man. Which brings us back to that whole point because larger platforms take the intellectual property and the hard work. Okay, of the activists on the ground, of the community activators in the fucking networks. They don't platform us and they go and get these safe ass bougie motherfuckers and let them literally bubblegum chew the shit that we already digested for them and let them repackage it. Fuck that shit. Repackage man. it in a palatable way for in their a demographic. Palatable way. Because you know they all they, all these fools, all they know what they're doing, they target a demographic and they write articles based on what that demographic wants. And the message is always more important than the messenger. Let me get that shit right there. This ain't about ego. But at the same time, the work that I do must be credited. Homeboy could have very at the fucking least used me as a motherfucking source, say inspired by, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, I came across an article, shit made me think, you know what I'm saying? But he didn't. So, hey, I'm going to see the nation. I'm going to see the nation real soon. They really don't want no war with us, though. All right, you ready to move on? Did you man, get everything out? Anything else yeah, you got to yeah. say? Man, after this kind of bullshit, man, when you're getting ready for war, bro, the thing to keep your mental well-being is right. You, man, you got to know. You got to treat yourself, bro. Yeah, we got to treat ourselves. Let's, we, this is, we haven't done this segment, but let's, let's, let's jump into it. This is the greatest sandwich I've ever made. Is it glowing? You guys want some? It's cool, man. I know you want to eat the whole thing, and I'm cool with that. Thank you. There's a video that's been resurfacing on Instagram as of late. I don't know if you've seen it, but is one million children in Thailand were meditating for world peace. That's an incredible image to see, and it's an incredible thing to hear happened. And I just wonder why, like, those initiatives and those things don't exist in right. other places like the United States. Think about how much, how much fucking, just for a moment of peace, right? If a billion people could just sit down and contemplative, quiet, contemplative nothingness. That would be incredible. Intentional headspace. You know, we could we could make the utopia, man. It could happen right there. A greater global consciousness. And I think that's just an incredible, powerful thing. We got to focus on them kind of stories, bro. Yeah, and we were talking about fascism. You know, it's like this 
you're like holding on to these ideologies that you think are necessary for you because you don't get a moment of time to sit and reflect. You know, you got your 40 hour work week. You got to deal with your partner. You have to deal with young people that you may have to take care of. You may have to deal with your health. You may have to deal with, you know, trying to find a way to entertain yourself. You're self-medicating. There's not a lot of times to have that reflective, meditative process where you get to look within and all the the people that I respect and I love and I look to are those people who look within and take meditative moments you know and I've it's you know Ramadan so I've been doing a lot more praying it's definitely helped me as well what's something this week man that you did that really uh made you feel good man something a, a mental health moment something that you did for yourself Man, for me, man, I'm such a fucking hedonist, so, like, carnal pleasure is always a good thing. And, like, people hear carnal and they think sex, and it doesn't not mean sex, but it really just means joys of the flesh. So one of the things I feel like I can do, man, like, I'm probably in this lifetime never going to be close enough to the dragon to take a dragon's deal. I'm never going to have a Lamborghini. Probably not in this life, but in this life, pretty much every day of my life... I can eat well, you know what I'm saying? So I went down to Georgetown, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I hit this place, man. It was fucking great. Uh, They had these things called bubble waffles, and they would serve them, and they were, like, airy and crispy and chewy, and you would walk into there, and it smelled like cookies, like warm vanilla chocolate cookies had sex with waffles and just ice cream and, like, Man, if you don't instantly feel like a fucking 12-year-old all over again with all that wonder and joy, if your eyes don't get fucking big, I went there and I really just sat back and gave myself a Sunday. I ain't think about the fucking calories. I ain't think about how fucking hot it was. I ain't think about all the shit I got to do in my fucking life, these poems I need to be working on. And I just enjoyed the deliciousness of that fucking ice cream, man. That's something I gave myself. What about you, man? That sounds beautiful, man. That sounds beautiful. Uh, what I've been doing is keeping the air conditioner on. <laughs> uh, hey, <laughs> that's a uh, that's something where I got to be gentle with myself, man. I, I get cranky when I'm hot, and I'm also, like I said, I'm fasting, so you know I'm staying away from caffeine. I'm staying away from you know other things that alter your mind. So when I do that, I'm a little bit on edge. So when that happens, you know, I have to really take care of myself, make sure that I'm in an environment because I usually don't care about the heat or the cold. You know, I'm usually cool to find homeostasis in any space, but it's just been hot. It was like 92 the other day. And usually I'm playing like, you know, house dad, like turn all the lights off, turn the air conditioner. We don't need that, you know, but I haven't even messed with it this week, man. I just, you know, let that air conditioner flow, sit by it shirtless, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, eating sunflower seeds and drinking Gatorades. And, uh, you yeah, know, it's been beautiful for me. Because you are a avowed and known hater of the coconut water. Yeah, well, I mean. You, are, I, you eat healthier than I'm, any motherfucker I know when you hate coconut I'm water. anti-oppression and wow. uh, coconut water is oppressive. It's deliciousness in your mouth. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, man. We feel like, um, you know how they say like there's a genetic marker for cilantro. Like some people love cilantro and then other people it tastes like, you know, dish soap. Right, I feel like maybe there might be a genetic marker for coconut water because there's some people that really love it. Like, I am in the love it fucking camp. You know what I'm saying? And then my friends that hate that shit, they hate that shit like you just spit in their mouth. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so funny because I love coconut and coconut flavored type things. Man. But coconut water, it tastes like if I was a plumber and I undid the drain and there was like water stuck on the bottom and I had to, for some reason, drink it. That's That's what it tastes like. Horrible, oppressive, disgusting things, man. Oh my and I'm God. treating myself by staying away from it, actually. 
Yo, for those of y'all that fuck with it, though, man, jump on that harmless, harmless, man. I am not being paid by them people, but I'm going to say it's not pasteurized. It's the most delicious coconut water I've ever had. It's organic. It's non-GMO. I fuck with it a lot, man. It's very refreshing on hot fucking summer-ass days, man. Get your electrolytes right. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm anti-coconut water, and I have to tell the people I'm anti-juice. Man. I don't rock with the juice, man. I How almost. Is it? How can someone as swaggy and saucy as you be against the juice? I know I am a saucy daddy, but there's just something about juice that I think is overrated, man. I don't really. It's too sugary. It's just too much going on now. Look, what I what I do like, I cannot rock with juice unless it's heavy pulp because yeah, it makes you, me. You get feel, down into the smoothie situation. Yeah, that smoothie situation is yeah. a different situation. I will rock out with a smoothie all day, all night. Real but if it's just that like good, just watery, sugary, drinky juice stuff like that, uh uh-uh, uh get it away from me. I'm not here for it. Let's get to the fuck yous. Let's, Let's get, get to, to the, the shout outs. Fuck yous and the shout outs. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out. So I have a fuck you. I've been reading a lot. I'm big into generations, man, like all the different generations and how it shapes people growing up. And one thing I've noticed uh, just throughout my life and uh, my employment and my poetry career is baby boomers be on some whole other shit, bruh. Bruh. They're different when it comes to wealth. They're different when it comes to oppression. And I get it, man. We all exist in these ideologies that we had to grow up with and we have to unlearn. But the baby boomer generation, like, and, the, and there's exceptions, you know, tons of exceptions, tons of dope we're baby boomers. We're talking in macro, man. We but can't we t- deal with everybody's facts. personal fucking, well, this one, my fucking uncle is a baby boomer and he's great. Well, bitch, you might be biased, though. And, you know, if he is, great. Get a motherfucker cookie and tell the rest of his fucking homeboys to step the to fuck up. To chill the fuck out, man, because they are really refuse to have conversations with the younger generations. They just have an aversion to so many like positive ideas, especially when it comes to like politics, especially when it comes to wealth and you know, like the school system. They're like very strict in a lot of ways and it's like, bro, let all that stuff go. Let that learned behavior that you had to deal with, like I'm telling you, I'm sure whatever what's the generation before baby boomers, do you know? Uh the greatest generation. Can you believe that? Egotistical generation. That's what they call themselves, yeah. <laughs> Fuck out of here, and, uh, bro. I can't make this shit up. No, my goodness. Yeah, they're called anyway. the greatest generation. <laughs> shit, they was dealing with a lot too then if that's what their parents were called. But Oh, yeah, and I think about that. Yeah, we defeated Hitler, you sons of bitches. You couldn't even defeat the goddamn Koreans. You couldn't defeat the goddamn Vietnams. We defeated Hitler and, and Toyotomi. The whole generation made to think they ain't shit. <laughs> right, and y'all but not enough. Because y'all, y'all, they was right. It was prophetic. You niggas ain't shit. Right, right, right. And y'all need to deal with that trauma and get y'all shit together, man, because you ruined it for Gen X, Gen Z, right. and the millennials, bro. Speaking for Gen X, I feel like we're doing just fine. We were the first. You guys, okay, were born into the darkness, but we saw the sun die, okay? It's like, in I Gen X, you. we saw the change, okay? We really? survived Ronald motherfucking Wilson motherfucking Reagan, Mr. Original 666. No, no, you're facts, man. You're facts. But, I, you know, shout out to Generation X, shout Oops. out to Millennials, and shout out to Generation Z, man. I know Generation Z, y'all going through a lot right now. Y'all are the most emotionally mature generation in the history of the world. And as a Gen Xer, I just want to say the GME sees you and salutes that shit. Yeah. You got any uh, fuck yous? I do. I would like to say fuck you to all the businessmen who aren't even brave 
but are always greedy enough for something that they will spend other people's lives for their own profit. Mm. Fuck each and every one of you. If you was, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't really get with Eric Prince. Y'all already know we talked about him. But at least that greedy motherfucker is willing to go out the there field. and take a bullet to be a fascist. These niggas want to give a speech on that fascism shit. They on a Tyrion shit, man. <laughs> they say, I don't know if I could do this, but you know what must be done. Go right. out and get this money. Right. And bring it back to daddy. Yeah, bring it back to daddy, and I'll give you a little something on the side, you know? You know what I'm saying? Old Fredo-ass niggas run off to do it. There was something in it for me. <laughs> Fuck you, host. This is the Godfather 3 guy over here, you know? That that would be the Godfather 2. Was it 2? Okay. Yeah. yeah, he slept his own fucking brother with his motherfucking kid on the boat, nigga. <laughs> and he was like, in the third one, he's like, I don't know. Am I gonna go to hell? I don't know. I feel like I could give away enough money. I don't know. Am I gonna go to hell? Probably not. Yeah, I'm gonna go to hell. Trauma. Yeah, shit. That's back in the, the Catholicism days where you had to pay to go to heaven. You Yo, know, plenary indulgence. That's essentially what happened. Then they get dropped half a billion dollars on Immobiliati, and the Pope was like, "Hey, niggas, you know, we all make mistakes. Every billionaire, just give me seventy percent of your profits, and I will forgive you." Okay, <laughs> just want to let you know right now if you want to seek, you know, uh, absolution. If you are here to uh, redeem yourself. Go ahead, give me 70% of the profits that you make. We'll dismantle your organizations and your corporations. Give it back to the people. I will help disperse the money to uh, grassroots organizations. We will enhance and enlighten our citizens to be more empowered to do good things. Yeah, and we'll start the utopia. There you go. So, how about them apples? You can be for things without being against things, and I will leave it as simple as that. Shout out! Um, I want to give a. Oh, are you? You want? Can I go? Yeah, All yeah right, cool. go for it. Go. Uh, speak. Just speaking of uh, governments and how ridiculous they are and how they need to change radically. Big shout out to Chelsea Manning, who in you know in five hundred dollars a day in prison right now uh, for not testifying in some grand jury. What's it for? Against for Julian Assange. Assange, who is facing 117 years. For basically spitting facts. Yeah, for talking about war crimes, but the war criminals were, uh, uh, they were pardoned this Memorial Day, I believe. That is disgusting. That's, that's full circle, huh? Yeah, it really is, bro. That's disgusting. Circle. And Chelsea Manning is basically, you know, she's just out here saying, I'm not interested. I ain't no snitch. I'm not snitching on shit. I don't give a fuck how long y'all gonna keep me in here. And she just was in jail for, I don't know how many... So like 18 months she's been in jail. Yeah. She got out for a month, and now they're ready to put yeah, her back and you know, in. In some ways, man, because there are no accidents, you have to start looking at Air Cheeto and think, like, is the transgender like ban on military like some type of punitive thing against Chelsea? Like, look at this, man. See what happens? They fucking tell everything. I mean, he could be spinning it any, either way, but we know this country has a terrible track record with dealing with whistleblowers and Facts. Uh, allowing them to you know, bring real information to the forefront. And it's $500 a day now, but I think in three months it will go to $1,000 a, thousand dollars a day. A day. Yeah. So what you're going to be doing is you're going to be putting somebody who in basically— jail for life. You're financially crippling them. For life. For life. I mean, it's hun probably hundreds of thousands of dollars that are going to be accumulated. So um, shout out to her and the, all the whistle people out here who are afraid to be whistleblowers. You know, I, I, I just want to let you know, like, I, we support y'all. We, we love y'all. We out here for y'all to uh, expose the secrets that are oppressive to all of us. And shout out to Chelsea Manning and all whistleblowers out there. Facts. Yo, my shout out goes to all my friends all around the world getting ready to end their fasts, 
I hope y'all find your bodies rebuilt and your souls replenished, ready, rejuvenated for this work we got to do. And also a shout out to Julian Assange, who is morally kind of reprehensible, but has done some real solid shit. Just put his real body and life on the line to talk about things that are absolutely grotesquely immoral. Definitely, man. And yes, speaking of the end of Ramadan, this is the last podcast I will be fasting. Next week, uh, next week I will be back in my full fat boy uh, regalia, you know, to do that. I'm excited to have some caffeine and some other mind-altering situations. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, And shout out to everybody out there, whether um, you've been fasting every day or if you've just been able to get a few days. We know it's, it's difficult, man. People have different bodies and, you know, different capacities to do different things. So even if you weren't able to fast every day, if you're doing the best that you can, you're trying to remain pious, you're trying to look within, big shout out to you. Uh, big shout out the Juicelim connection over Juicelim. here. solidarity, man. Yeah, solidarity. Facts. facts. And yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> my fucking Snowden with the China, bro. <laughs> He's like, right. Well, I'm not going to the goddamn. Where was it? The Bolivian fucking embassy? Uh, fuck are you, kid. Fuck that. And China was like, hey, nah, nigga. Hey, let's cover that tape though. Let's get a copy of that mixtape. Yeah, they just wanted to get the networks, uh, the Netflix password, and then they told you to deuce. <laughs> <laughs> They ain't gonna be eating pierogies the rest of his fucking life, man. <laughs> fucking Facts. sucks, man. Facts. That motherfucker better be learning Sambo out man. there, bro. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, shout out to y'all, man. Hit us up on Instagram and uh, and Facebook. And, man, for uh, that unique content. Keep following us. Keep giving us that fucking love, man. We see you. We see you. And we be you. We out. <laughs>